let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the opportunity to gather together and uh, thank you for bringing us together safely uh, with the, the rain and I uh, pray that uh, we use this opportunity to uh, dig into your word and to uh, come to know and understand the gospel uh, all the more and uh, to know you, to know your son, that we might have uh, our hope and confidence uh, grounded firmly uh, in your son and in the uh, the grace uh, in the salvation and righteousness that we have uh, in him. And so we thank you for these things and pray that they be all to your honor and glory. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to leave silence. Just checking my phone to make sure the ringer's off because I had that go off once in the, the youth Bible study. Oh, really? <laughs> and now you start yelling at the audience. You know, shame on you. <laughs> you, you don't want that to happen as a speaker. So, um, All right, uh, we'll be looking at uh, Romans, uh, starting in chapter 5. And we gave an overview of uh, the book of Romans, uh, chapters 1 through for uh, just looking at uh, Paul's uh, Paul's readiness, uh, his uh, willingness uh, to preach the gospel uh, to all peoples, uh, to those who are in Rome, uh, but even beyond. He wanted to take his gospel uh, to Spain, uh, to places where it had not been preached yet. Uh, and so uh, we're just talking about how he really structures his letter uh, around this eagerness, this willingness. And he doesn't fully reveal all his plans right away, but he wants to uh, ground them uh, in the gospel. Uh, he wants to uh, share his gospel with them uh, to introduce himself uh, because if he's going to bring the gospel uh, to them and beyond, uh, he needs help because uh, Rome and Spain were a long ways away. And so he couldn't just depend on uh, the home churches like Jerusalem or Antioch, or other churches that he had established up to this point, like uh, Corinth or uh, in, in and around Ephesus. And the Philippians helped him out with, with many things. So uh, he frames the, the letter about his eagerness and readiness uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, and we can just quickly look in uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, verse 15, and then through uh, 17. Okay. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Why? For I, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's why he's, he's eager and ready to preach. Uh, Eric did a really nice job uh, with this passage. And why is it that the gospel is the power of God uh, for salvation to everyone who believes? Jew and Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It's all, it's all by faith from beginning to end. Uh, it's, it's only by faith. The, the righteousness of God comes. This is why he's eager. This is why it's the power of God unto salvation. Uh, and so... 
he, he's going to share his gospel with them. And by the end of the letter, he's going to tell them of his plans to come to them uh, and, and also to want some, some support to bring the gospel beyond. So they will partner uh, with, uh, with him uh, as he's uh, e- equipped them. And then finally, uh, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And why is it only by faith? For it's not by works. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's why it's by faith, because uh, their, uh, their works, their unrighteousness only brings the wrath of God, not the righteousness of God. And so he spends the next uh, the next uh, major sections, uh, chapter divisions weren't there, but the rest of chapter one and two, uh, condemning all Gentiles, uh, all Jews, uh, showing that uh, sin uh, in its uh, extent uh, is universal to all people. Uh, all people are guilty, Jew and Gentile. And so they can't be justified by works. Uh, they can't find a righteousness by the works of the law, but only by faith in Christ, only by his finished work. And so in chapter 3, verse 10, or uh, back to verse, verse 9, what then? Are we Jews any better off than Gentiles, the the ideas? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And he goes goes on to draw from Psalms, Isaiah, Isaiah. from the scriptures just to show the wickedness of man uh, in his in his unrighteousness. And I remember some of these, uh, Douglas Moo, uh, back when I was in college, and uh, found his commentary helpful as NIV application commentary. He has a lot bigger one, too. But even some of these passages with the Psalms, some of them have righteous people in them, but Paul's basically saying, and you're not them. Uh, everyone's guilty. We're, we're all unrighteous before a holy and righteous God. Uh, our works only bring wrath. Uh, and so, uh, in verses 19 and 20, this is the end of the section. Everyone's condemned. And then we're going to turn to the righteousness of God apart from works. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. It silences everyone before God, because the law only reveals that they're guilty, uh, that they have a debt to pay that they can't pay. Uh, they're under uh, uh, the con- condemnation for their sin. Uh, in the guilt, in the punishment and wrath that will come for it. And so the law, as we've been talking about in previous weeks, uh, as, uh, and the Gentiles have 
the law written on their hearts, as imperfect as it is. Uh, they, they have conscious, consciences that God has given them, and as seared as they become, uh, they excuse, uh, or they, uh, they accuse or excuse them, uh, basically. And uh, all God ever has to do uh, to, uh, to anyone, I think I heard uh, John Piper once say this long long time ago, but uh, is basically uh, to uh, to basically actually I don't, I don't know if he he made this exact comment, but anyway, uh, basically to put their consciences on trial, they're already guilty. Their consciences have already condemned them. Even even people with seared consciences, they know that what they do is wrong. He just has to put their consciences on trial, and for the Jews. They had the Torah. In uh, the, the Torah, the five books of Moses, uh, it could be summarized in like the Ten Commandments, for instance, that were with the Ark of the Covenant and in it, uh, God's, uh, God's uh, law. Uh, but the Torah, uh, as law covenant, uh, as law uh, that they were under, uh, it, it condemned them. It showed that they were, they were guilty and they needed their hearts circumcised. Uh, they needed God's spirit uh, to give them life, uh, because they couldn't they couldn't walk in his commandments and statutes, and they also needed a perfect sacrifice where they could trust in God uh, and the, the sacrifices they provided that they He would forgive their sins. But the Day of Atonement, like the author of Hebrews says, was year after year. Uh, they had sacrifices day after day, week after week, month after month. Their feasts, uh, the years, the seven years, the forty nine. Uh, they had all these sacrifices and could never perfect them. And so they would trust God, a believer, that he would redeem them, that they needed circumcised uh, hearts. Uh, and so now Paul takes a turn uh, in his argument. Uh, and now uh, back to, uh, back to uh, talking about that the righteousness of God is from faith to faith. Uh, it's, it's only uh, in, in the gospel for all people. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Uh, and we spoke about, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. As, as law covenant. The law covenant, uh, it brought a curse upon them. Uh, they were guilty. Uh, they needed the new covenant. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, Negative statement, positive. And law and the prophets, law, the prophets, the writings, law, the prophets, the Psalms, Moses and the prophets, the Tanakh. It's the Torah, the five books of Moses. It bore witness as scripture, as prophecy, uh, to righteousness, a righteousness from God apart from works that he would supply. Uh, and, and ultimately pointing forward to, uh, to, to Yahweh in the flesh. Uh, the, the ultimate ideal anointed uh, Davidic king. He's, he's the ideal Israelite. He's the ideal, uh, the, the ideal judge, king, uh, priest, and prophet. Uh, in Deuteronomy uh, six or 17 and uh, 18, I believe, the, the corporate offices. And so it bore witness to these things. So you have these positive statements about the law as scripture uh, that bore witness to these things, even though as law covenant, they couldn't, they couldn't be justified. 
Uh, they couldn't be righteous. Uh, they couldn't have uh, God's everlasting blessing uh, in life and provision uh, through the Torah as law covenant. But as scripture, it bore witness to a righteousness of God along with uh, the prophets uh, that was that was by by grace alone through through faith alone uh, in uh, in Christ alone uh, the uh, the anointed uh, and so uh, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe and uh, he goes on to talk about how there's no distinction uh, he he concludes that. As a result of this righteousness, God's just, both just and justifier uh, in redeeming a sinful and guilty people, but doing it justly uh, by, by sending Christ to, to bear, uh, willingly bear the, the punishment, uh, and the one who justifies, who uh, declares his people innocent, who declares them righteous, uh, as if they had kept the law and, and weren't, weren't guilty uh, under, under it. And so, verse uh, 27 then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And we've been talking about how Paul, uh, as a scholar Brian S. Rosner says, polemically repudiates the law, Torah, as law covenant. Law as law. They brought a curse when they didn't obey it. It's been, it's been abrogated. Uh, Christ has, uh, has fulfilled it. Uh, sometimes he uses different terminology to, to express it. So by what kind of law? By a law of works? The law shuts people up. It shows they're, they're guilty, uh, what, what he's saying. So they're silent uh, before, before God. Uh, but he then radically replaces the Torah as a law, law covenant with, with new covenant themes. No, but by the law of faith. There's a new law, the law of faith. Uh, and so we see these negative statements and these positive, where he can polemically repudiate the law as, as law covenant that brought a curse upon the people. And then he can radically replace it uh, as basically with new covenant uh, themes. Or he says, uh, Brian S. Rosner, a uh, theological motif, but it's just sort of these theological, these themes, these emphases that are um, unique to the new covenant uh, or in their, uh, in their extent, in their fullness, in the promises. Only in the new covenant uh, does it uh, ultimately promise uh, that all of God's people who belong to the new covenant truly will be regenerate. They'll have circumcised hearts. Uh, their sins will be forgiven and, and remembered no more. Uh, and uh, those believers uh, in the past, God passed over their sins. Uh, they believed in God's promises that ultimately he would redeem them and he would uh, cleanse them. And so we see these negative statements about the Torah, uh, but then you can also see it radically replaced with these other things like uh, by the law of faith or by, uh, not that it wasn't by, by faith before, uh, but with these uh, new covenant emphases. And he can say things like, uh, we'll see uh, no longer, uh, we no longer serve in the way of the written code, but in the new way of the spirit. Uh, faith working through, uh, through love. Not working to be saved, but it's, it's, the, it's the, the fruit, the, the outworking of the, 
uh, of the, the Spirit. And so there are all these uh, themes that we've uh, touched on, a number of them in the previous weeks. And so uh, here he goes on to uh, uh, conclude his, his argument and even saying, uh, do we then overthrow uh, the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. And he uses Abraham and David too, but Abraham to show it's, it's been by faith. A righteousness is reckoned uh, to them by faith. Uh, Abraham was a man of faith even before he believed, and God credited it to him as, uh, as righteousness. And uh, that's to teach us as well. And so go to the end of chapter 4. Whoops, I got my screen a little messed up. All right, at the end of 4, all right, uh, 20, verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, uh, to Abraham, uh, because he he believed, and he he held fast to to God's promises in in faith. Uh, But... Other words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so, first, he, he polemically repudiated or, or abrogated the, uh, the, the law as law covenant. And sometimes he prefers other words in Ephesians. He likes the word abrogated. Uh, at the end of Romans 3, uh, do we abrogate the law? By no means, we fulfill it <laughs> in a somewhat different uh, different uh, sense as he uses the word. Uh, but, and so he polemically repudiates the law as law, as law covenant that brings a curse when you, when you disobey it. He radically replaces the law uh, with new covenant themes and emphases uh, or theological motif. Uh, and thirdly, and finally, he wholeheartedly reappropriates the law, the Torah, five books of Moses, as scripture, uh, as, uh, as prophecy, uh, as a source of wisdom. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, uh, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. The Torah is good for training in righteousness, uh, as it's uh, consistent with God's character and work in creation and the teachings of Christ and his apostles and prophets, uh, all, all of it, uh, the, the, whole, uh, the whole Torah, even though it's not law covenant anymore uh, and doesn't bind and bring a curse as it did uh, as, as law, uh, but uh, it's, still, it's still scripture uh, and it teaches and instructs us, uh, even instructed them and gave them wisdom and showed them the, uh, the path to salvation, that they need circumcised hearts. And so Paul, he'll say things positive like, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Genesis and the whole Torah, uh, in fact, uh, most of it, well, when, when it was credited to him as righteousness, the Torah wasn't around. It wasn't written for, for Abraham uh, to, to read. God, God spoke to him and he, he credited to him as righteousness. It was written for, uh, for the, the Israelites and, and believers uh, who would who'd follow to teach and, and instruct them. And so uh, he'll even say that about the, the law. Doesn't, uh, do I say this on human authority? He says in Corinthians, doesn't the law say, say also? And he goes on to instruct and, and ultimately appeals to 
uh, to, to Christ. It's, it's God-breathed, and so it still bears a divine authority, but it's not law covenant uh, anymore that we're under and legally bound to that brings a curse uh, upon us. So uh, we've been looking at some of these uh, these different stances and things that Paul does with with the law in its different capacities and functions as it would serve the the Torah, uh, the, the whole thing, not just not just moral, civil, ceremonial, legal code or, or legal bits or commandments, but the Torah. Uh, as as a whole, it, it wasn't just it wasn't just little commandments or, or something like that. It is uh, it was uh, bigger than bigger than that, uh, in which even they understood it uh, in its broader broader context. And so this brings us then uh, to where uh, we about where we left off in chapter five. Uh, and Paul, having shown his eagerness, his readiness uh, for uh, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. Uh, it's only uh, a righteousness of God from faith to faith. It's, it's only by, by faith. And so he's demonstrated that and shown that. It's not by works. Works brings wrath. And now he takes uh, a turn where now in light of their justification, he talks about the, the, the fruit of that, uh, the, the consequences, the results of that, and what now uh, in, in this life? What, what now? Uh, is it now, do we turn to, to works? Do we, what now? And so he's going he's gonna to show the hope uh, that they have uh, in uh, the gospel. Uh, the God who has justified them uh, will also sanctify them and ultimately glorify them. Uh, he's going to break uh, the power of, of sin, uh, beginning in this life and ultimately in our glorification and the, uh, the, the resurrection. And so uh, we didn't have chapters again, but chapters five through five through eight, this, this section is looking at the, uh, the hope uh, that they have. Uh, so, and let's just uh, start looking. We're going to move fairly quickly through some of this. We'll see how far we get uh, since... We've had a bit of a review to do, uh, but we're going to work toward uh, chapter 7, and that's going to be uh, ultimately our focus, whether this week or, uh, or next week. Uh, so, therefore, uh, since we have been justified by faith. Uh, and so, uh, here uh, we have this, this circumstance. Having been ju- now, having been justified by faith, uh, this uh, this uh, this finished work uh, that God has done, uh, declaring us righteous, uh, innocent uh, before him, as if we kept the law because of what Christ has done, bearing our sins, our condemnation on the cross. Uh, now, in light of this circumstance, he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access or entrance by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So this circumstance that prefaces uh, the point he wants to make, uh, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Uh, we've, been, we've been reconciled to him. His wrath no longer abides uh, upon us. Uh, God was, was our enemy. We were his enemy. But now he's our, he's our friend. And we're going to see that he adopts us into his family. Uh, and uh, we become 
sons and fellow heirs with, with Christ. He's going he's to come back uh, to all of this in, in Romans 8 and, and uh, develop uh, these things. So we have justification, and in light of that, uh, because he's declared us righteousness in his son, we have peace. We have peace with God. And through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so it's not like it's uh, by, by grace through faith when it comes to justification, and then we turn to works. But through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in the very grace of God, uh, his kind a disposition, uh, his kindness uh, toward us, uh, which we don't deserve uh, because we're, well, we're just mere creatures, first of all, but we're sinners. But now we're justified sinners freely uh, by the grace of God. And, and uh, by faith, we stand in this grace. We have, we have entrance uh, into it, and now we stand, we continue uh, in God's grace. It, it doesn't end with justification, uh, but uh, the God who, uh, the God who uh, fore, foreknows uh, and predestines is the God who calls, and is the same God who justifies and also sanctifies uh, and will also ultimately glorify. Uh, and so we stand uh, in this grace in which we have entrance. And so justification uh, in, in the fruits uh, that are unfolding, the peace that we have with God, uh, the uh, the, the access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Uh, we, we continue uh, in this uh, grace. God's unmerited favor, his, his kindness toward us that we don't deserve, shown in his salvation and, and all the, the blessings uh, of salvation that are in his, in his son. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, looking to the hope that we have uh, in the glory of God. Uh, one day, God's glory we have the first fruits, but it's going to be manifest in the new heavens, uh, in the new earth, uh, and when the, the creation is redeemed and renewed uh, and comes into possession of the sons of God, uh, when we uh, reign uh, with, with Christ uh, as, uh, as fellow heirs adopted, uh, adopted into uh, the, the family of God. And so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is all the fruit uh, that, uh, that comes from our justification that he's going to keep unfolding, showing the, the hope that they have. And so uh, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And maybe not in our sufferings ended of themselves. Yay, I'm suffering. But we have hope in the midst of our, our sufferings, and we know that God is going to use them for our good. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. That's present. We're not glorified yet. Knowing that suffering produces endurance uh, and endurance produces character or proven character. It has to do with uh, testing, one who's, uh, who's tested, uh, one who's, uh, think same basic word that Eric was talking about, uh, having to do with being approved and uh, in, in such. This, this testing of endurance and faith that it's been wrought by God. Uh, it's by grace. Uh, it's it's uh, a faith that has been uh, that has been implanted in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a divine faith uh, where it has its its origin, uh, and so 
Uh, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Uh, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So, from the fruits of justification, we have peace, uh, we have entrance by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Uh, and so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We re- uh, rejoice in our present sufferings uh, because God will use it for our good and the hope that we, we have uh, in his glory and his salvation. Uh, and because the Holy Spirit, the, the, uh, the, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And he goes on to, to just explain about how Christ has died for us uh, and redeemed us Uh, even while we were sinners, even when we were guilty, even when we were enemies of God, how much more will we be saved from the coming wrath of God Uh, at the the end times when God brings his judgment upon the world? We'll we'll be saved from that. Uh, And so this is the the great hope and the fruit uh, that we have. And so he talks about uh, Christ. uh, And then, let's see, uh, just look in uh, verse 9. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, uh, by the blood, the death of Christ, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So this is the hope that we have with our justification, our reconciliation, the peace uh, that, that we have uh, by the grace, grace of God. And more, more than that, so not only do we rejoice in, our, uh, in the hope of the glory of God uh, to, to come, uh, and we rejoice in our present sufferings, but more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we rejoice in our present sufferings, and we rejoice in God, or boast uh, even, uh, you know, if, if you want to boast, you know, you ever feel like boasting? Well, here are a few things you can boast about. Uh, you can boast about uh, the, uh, the hope of the glory of God. Uh, we can boast in our present sufferings, uh, knowing that God will uh, work out our good, and he's, uh, he's poured his love into our hearts through his Holy Spirit, uh, and it, it, it'll end for, for our good and our ultimate salvation. And we can, thirdly, we can, uh, we can also boast Uh, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so all this hope, this is what he's going to unfold. Uh, And here he turns then to, in light of what Christ has done and all the the blessings of the righteousness, uh, all the blessings of salvation uh, that we have uh, because of uh, his death, uh, having uh, having, uh, died, uh, on on our behalf and having been raised for our our justification, uh, died for our sins and raised for our justification. Uh, now with this hope, uh, it brings uh, it brings a, a new age. And so he's going to turn and show a comparison between uh, the the first man Adam, uh, the the head of an old humanity, uh, through whom uh, the reign of sin. Uh, condemnation and death came into the world with the work of Christ that undoes the work of uh, of the first man that brings a grace, uh, the reign of grace, 
righteousness and life into the world. Uh, that's going to culminate in the new heavens and uh, the new earth. And so he wants to draw a comparison with this. And he's going to start, but then he's going to get away from it uh, because he's, he's going to want to uh, explain so, something. And so let's just uh, look at this because this, uh, this rain is going to be very important for everything that unfolds in uh, chapters or, or in uh, chapter 6 and uh, chapter uh, 7 as he deals with uh, the implications of this new rain of uh, grace, uh, righteousness, and life, or, or grace, justification, and a life, uh, showing how are we to think about sin in this light. Uh, there are some negative things he wants them to avoid and objections that people also raised against his gospel, uh, but also positive things. How do we reign in light of it? Uh, shall we sin that grace may abound? May it never be. Uh, shall we sin because we're, we're uh, not under law but under grace? doesn't understand grace. And so he's going to unfold this uh, and, and talk about a sin and grace and the, the law. Uh, and this section will be important for, uh, for framing it, everything that follows through chapter 8. And so uh, he's going to start with a comparison, but he's, he's going to get away from it. Verse 12, Therefore, a just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And now he's going to start to deviate. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. And then he, uh, there's going to be a little... Interlude, low parentheses. Uh, I remember uh, reading Douglas Moo, and he, he handled this well. But he was going to compare uh, Adam's, uh, Adam's work and uh, sin and death uh, and, and condemnation coming into the world through him with what Christ has done. But he doesn't want them to think that they're exactly the same thing. And so he's going to then say in verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. <laughs> and so he's going to get away from it, but then he's going to get, uh, get back to it uh, in uh, verse 18. He's going to pick back up with uh, the original comparison he was going to make. But let's just look a little bit uh, back at verse 12. Uh, so therefore, uh, drawing, uh, drawing back from uh, this work of Christ and the, the hope that we, we have uh, in, uh, in him that saves us from, uh, from God's uh, coming wrath. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, uh, or, or just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. And so with Adam, he rebelled against God. Uh, and the consequence of that was that sin came into the world. It, it made its, its uh, entrance uh, into the world, and through sin, uh, when he sinned, and those who follow him uh, walk in his footsteps as his, uh, his progeny uh, in his likeness, it brings death upon them. So much so that uh, before too long with uh, the flood, uh, you find Cain kills Abel. And then with uh, the, the flood and following Lamech, uh, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. He takes it into his own hands. A young man... He wounded me, you know. He looked at me the wrong way, so I killed him. 
He didn't leave vengeance to God. He, he, he struck him down. Uh, he's an uh, unrighteous, wicked heir of Cain who walks in his footsteps. Only he's seven times or 70 times uh, worse than, uh, than Cain. And then with the flood, man fills the, the, the earth with violence and God wipes the whole lot of them out except for uh, Noah and the seven who were, who were with him, his wife and sons and, and their wives. And so... Uh, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, some take because all sinned, and they just say, well, they just sinned in Adam. Uh, but there's truth there where we're, we're going to see, but uh, it oversimplifies uh, the idea of corporate uh, solidarity. And so uh, Eric was just teaching on this, and I'd, I'd agree with uh, all that he, he said uh, in Tan the class, and he covered, uh, I was amazed how many different views he fit into one single class. So uh, I'll just be uh, adding and complimenting uh, what, uh, what he uh, said. He only had uh, so much time to, uh, to cover, but uh, because, uh, because all uh, sinned. And now keep reading. Uh, Paul now explains uh, this uh, with sin and death uh, entering into the world, then uh, spreading uh, to all Men, as, as time went on from generation to generation to the flood and, and uh, beyond, sin uh, and death spread to all of humanity and all of the, uh, the, the progeny of the first, uh, first man uh, and uh, came through, uh, through uh, the woman. But uh, so death, bred, death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world, before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. And so he's, he's explaining that, okay, so uh, death spread to all men because all sinned. And so he's explaining what he just said. And he's getting away from his comparison. He's going to get, uh, get back to that. He's going to get to, uh, to comparison with Adam and Christ uh, in a bit. Uh, but sin was indeed in the world before the law. So before uh, the Mosaic Covenant uh, at uh, Sinai uh, that came uh, thousands and thousands of years uh, later, uh, all the way at Sinai, sin was in the world, uh, in, in death. In fact, man became so corrupt that, as we said, he wiped them all out uh, in a flood, almost the, the entire uh, human race. And so uh, even between this time of Adam, where God gave a very direct commandment to him, uh, in the giving of the uh, the law, in the Ten Commandments, uh, in the uh, the Torah, uh, in all that He uh, revealed through uh, Moses at, at Sinai uh, and beyond, in the, the forty years in the wilderness, uh, sin indeed was in the world before the law. People sinned back back then, and uh, even in uh, the early chapters of Romans, He's just now getting to to Adam to to make his point in comparison with these two. Uh, these two reigns, uh, the old uh, and the, uh, the new, sin, death, and condemnation versus the reign of uh, grace, righteousness, and life through Jesus Christ, he showed that Jews and Gentiles, they're all guilty. Uh, they're all under sin. Uh, Gentiles even have, have the law, as imperfect as it is, written on their hearts, uh, their, their consciences. Uh, and then uh, the, the Jews uh, with the, uh, the giving of the, uh, the Torah, uh, and the Ten Commandments and the five uh, books of Moses and all that contains as 
He has law covenant. And so before this time, sin was uh, in, uh, in the world as it spread. Uh, but sin is not counted where there is no law. And we'll go right back to that, but I'll just keep reading. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Well, is he saying they didn't sin at all? No. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Well, they did sin, but it wasn't the exact same. Uh, they didn't sin in the exact same way or in the exact same position uh, as Adam did. Uh, in his innocence, uh, with God's commandment, uh, as the, uh, the, the head uh, of humanity. Uh, and so they didn't sin in the exact same way, but even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. They, they did sin, even though uh, there's, uh, with corporate solidarity, there are two sides uh, to the coin, and they're not necessarily co-equal. Uh, when you have a representative and a head, uh, they have a, uh, a preeminence uh, in, their, uh, in their position, but a corporate solidarity uh, also uh, involves uh, those who walk in the ways of their uh, fathers. And we'll look at a couple examples of that. Uh, and so some just say when because all sinned, uh, just that, well, they only sinned in Adam. And so it's just Adam that, that sinned, and God just reckoned uh, purely the guilt to them. And there's a lot of truth there. But we're going we're gonna to see that. You know, like I was saying, I, I agree with uh, uh, Eric, and we've, we've spoken about these uh, things. But... Uh, they they did sin as you keep keep reading and even there and so death spread to all men because all sinned so it goes from the men all sinned and he goes on to say that sin was in the world you know between this time uh, uh, even before the the law between Adam uh, and and Moses and they did sin just not in the exact same way that Adam uh, sinned uh, and so I just like to show you. Uh, Look at Matthew uh, 23, toward the very end of the chapter. It's right before 24. And we could look at many places. And when we get into Genesis, we'll be looking at this uh, concept a lot. Uh, we're uh, looking at these things in the youth uh, Bible study. Uh, and corporate solidarity... Uh, of course, obviously, if you read with Adam in Genesis and following, he didn't just leave them a bad example. It wasn't just a bad example that he, he left those who, who followed him. Uh, but it led to the corruption of the entire human race. Uh, and they, they shared in his, uh, his likeness of uh, following uh, in, uh, in his very ways. It, it, it corrupted them. Uh, and when uh, people... Uh, follow in the footsteps of their uh, forefathers, they also share in their guilt. Uh, it's a concept called corporate solidarity uh, that's all uh, throughout uh, Scripture. It just it permeates uh, through, throughout it. And so uh, there's just an example here. And so uh, if you look, let's just look at verse 29. Uh, so he's uh, pronouncing woes upon the Pharisees and the religious leaders uh, for their hypocrisy, uh, for their guilt, 
for their rejecting him or rejecting God, rejecting his word, uh, in saying they follow the law when they really don't. Uh, They take away the keys of the kingdom uh, from the people. So uh, the people can't enter, and neither can the religious leaders uh, because they're adding to God's uh, God's word and their their legalism and and such. Uh, And so they can't come to faith uh, in in God, in his promises, uh, and in God's ultimate anointed, you know, Jesus, who's, who's right there before him, the, the, the God-man. And this is his uh, final woe uh, that he pronounces uh, upon them. I'd have to look again. Uh, it may start earlier in some of the earlier uh, chapters of Matthew. Uh, Luke has this too with woes, uh, where in some you'll find seven woes uh, that are pronounced or, or, or judgments showing the fullness of the woe uh, that's going to come upon them. Uh, the, the, the warning uh, in the, the, the guilt and the, uh, the judgment uh, that's, that's going to come upon them. And so, verse 29, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And now, the scribes, uh, they're trained in the law. Uh, they're uh, trained in uh, even the, the rabbinic law and the code and uh, and. Uh, the rabbinic sort of law of the rabbis, uh, the teachers, kind of set a hedge around uh, the uh, the Torah. You know, what, what does it mean to work on the Sabbath? Well, eventually the hedge got so big that they fell into legalism uh, and into their all of their traditions uh, with the law. And the Pharisees were the, uh, the popular uh, religious teachers. Uh, they are the, the precursors uh, to the... Well, to the rabbis, they're called rabbis, but rabbinic Judaism came out of Pharisaic Judaism. They're the ones in the synagogues with all the other people and even in the, the dispersion of Pharisees, whereas the Sadducees were more of, a, uh, more of an elite royal political class. And when Jerusalem fell, Sadducees basically, or Sadduceum, basically disappeared. Uh, but the, the Pharisees were already with the synagogues, rabbinic Judaism, uh, this is where it developed from. So, a woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. And so going through this, he's saying, you're the sons of your fathers. You're just like, like them who murdered the, the prophets. And it's kind of ironic because uh, you read this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. Well, how are they like their fathers? Well, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, maybe put it, uh, the only good prophet is a dead prophet. You know, there, there, there's kind of this irony where there's this, uh, there's this uh, religious hypocrisy. Uh, and it's very important what they then say, saying, you know, in, in doing this, uh, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. They think, they think they're righteous. It's, self, it's self-righteousness. Uh, we should never say, we wouldn't shed the blood of the prophets if we were, we were back there. 
as sinners. Yeah, we would. Unless God, unless God restrains us, unless he redeems us, we wouldn't have crucified the Jewish anointed king. Yeah, we would have. The Gentiles did it. Uh, the Jewish people did it. Uh, the, 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 people, the people there, uh, by and large, yeah, uh, they, they, they all would have uh, unless God redeemed them, unless he saved them and he offered salvation to them. Uh, the, the very one whom they crucified, he died for many of them so that the gospel would be proclaimed and they would be saved and, and redeemed for the most heinous and wicked act that they ever did. So they're self-righteous hypocrites. And so they're, they're building the, the tombs. It's kind of like their long prayers in public and, and such. And, oh, we, we love the prophets and the, and the righteous. And we, we build tombs for them and monuments and uh, sort of this outward, uh, this outward religiosity. But it's hypocrisy. Uh, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. They're your fathers, the ones who murdered them. You're their sons. You're just like them. Fill up the measure of your fathers. Here's another idea with corporate solidarity, uh, with fullness, completion. Uh, God's patience, it waits. As the wicked uh, commit their evil deeds, fill the earth with violence and sin and condemnation, uh, and they persecute the righteous, uh, they persecute the people of God, God's patience will only last so long until judgment comes. God will not be patient and wait forever. Uh, he is unbelievably patient, but his patience against sin and wickedness and evil, he cannot tolerate it forever and when sin has reached its fullness, God's patience ends and he brings wrath. But then as his people suffer, I remember talking about this with, with Bob, just uh, some of these uh, passages uh, where he's working through Colossians and such and talking about this, that the suffering of the righteous, God will be patient, he'll wait, he'll use it for their good. As they endure, they persevere. But God's patience of the suffering of his people will only continue for so long before he brings judgment on their enemies and brings salvation for them. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers. Uh, to Abraham, uh, he said that he would give the land to his offspring after him and that uh, they would be in the land for, uh, for 400 years, uh, for uh, generations, uh, because uh, the sin of the Canaanites has not reached its fullness. He even started before with, uh, with Ham's son Canaan, uh, the wicked son Ham, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Uh, he exposed his father's nakedness, kind of going to the nakedness back to the garden, didn't uh, cover his father, told his brothers, bringing shame upon his, his father. And he was wicked, and his son Canaan, uh, whom Noah turns around and curses, seems unfair, but he walks in the footsteps of his father, and his descendants, the Canaanites, are far worse in Sodom and Gomorrah. God even brings judgment. It comes from the, the line of Ham and his son Canaan uh, in the Canaanites. And so God doesn't wipe them all out there, but it, it got so bad, he brought judgment upon them, like with the flood. And then 400 years later, judgment comes upon 
the people. And so his people suffer in Egypt, and God will only tolerate that so long until he brings judgment upon Pharaoh, upon the Egyptians, upon the, uh, the gods, uh, the so-called gods of the Egyptians, uh, the evil spirits and demonic beings that, uh, that uh, they worshipped. And he brought judgment, delivered his people, and brought judgment upon the Canaanites and brought them into the land. But God's patience, he gave them. Hundreds of years had already passed. And 400 more years, God was going to be patient for them to fill up the full measure of their sin. He's not going to judge right away. Uh, and there were Canaanites who came to repentance along the, uh, the, the way. Uh, like, uh, well, uh, Tamar. Tamar, uh, the, the, the kingly Judean Davidic line is through, through Tamar uh, with Judah. Uh, out, of that, uh, out of Judah's sin and the sin of his sons, God's going to bring forth uh, the, the Davidic line and the ultimate Davidic king. Uh, and uh, even when they're entering into the land, Rahab, Canaanite prostitute, probably a cult pro- prostitute perhaps uh, in their uh, religious uh, cults, she came to faith in Yahweh. She feared him, and she was, she was brought into the people of God. And so God, God brought his salvation even to, uh, even to Canaanite people uh, through, uh, throughout the, the ages. But his patience eventually uh, wore uh, to uh, the end. And so here, uh, Jesus is just drawing on these uh, things. Thus, you know, building these tombs and saying, we wouldn't have participated uh, uh, in the shedding of the blood of, uh, of the prophets. Thus, uh, you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So it's uh, about the strongest word of judgment that he could pronounce upon them. And look at, look at this, verse 32 again, going into 33. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You who... Uh, you who are sons of those who murdered the prophets, fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? You serpents, you brood of vipers. Uh, to uh, the, uh, the, the serpent in Genesis uh, who deceived uh, the woman, uh, he, he said that, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Uh, uh, He, or her offspring, uh, shall strike you on the head and you uh, shall strike him on the heel. Uh, And it's this picture where there's going to be this uh, constant battle 
back and forth between the two because he deceived the woman. God puts enmity between them and their progeny to follow after them. Uh, And there's going to be this enmity, uh, this battle uh, between uh, the woman and the serpent and between their respective offspring as the ages go on that will ultimately culminate in his demise of the one whom he deceived. Uh, God's image bearer, his representative uh, in in steward with, with the man to reign over and rule over the creation in righteousness on God's behalf. He sought to bring God's stewards down to establish his reign and rule. Uh, the Satan, the, the, the adversary, uh, the, uh, the, the serpent. And so now there's this battle. And when you read in Genesis 4, as we covered in the youth Bible study in great detail, you find Cain kills Abel. He walks in the way of the serpent. He lies. He deceives. He murders. Uh, he murders his own brother, his offspring. And there's a sense in which all humanity is the offspring of, of the woman. She's the mother of all living. But there's a sense in which not all are of her offspring. But those who walk in the way of the serpent and participate in his sin, uh, his rebellion, you're of your offspring, or you're of your father, the devil. He's the father of lies, and you lie just like him, uh, Jesus says. It all comes from, from Genesis. That's language through, throughout the, the Old Testament. Uh, and so, at the end, Cain kills Abel. And you read at the end, you, you see Lamech, you see his wicked, evil line, uh, this uh, unchosen, unbelieving, unrighteous uh, Progeny, uh, offspring, uh, the offspring of the the serpent who walk in in his ways in rebellion against God. Uh, The woman says that a God has given me another offspring in place of Abel for Cain killed him. And she named him Seth because God had appointed to her another offspring in place of Abel. Abel was the offspring of the woman uh, in, in this first generation. It's not just, it's not just that, uh, as we talked about, uh, absolutely, uh, the, uh, the offspring of the woman, uh, it's re- relevant to the ideal uh, anointed, uh, well, the ideal anointed Israelite, judge, king, uh, prophet, priest, uh, who is to come and fulfill all these things, who's going to be the head of a new humanity. But as you read through Genesis, all along the way, you see this battle back and forth that's going to go all the way into, uh, into Revelation uh, to, to the end where uh, the, uh, the dragon, the, the serpent, will go after the offspring of the woman and, and chase uh, uh, even after uh, Christ descends. Uh, Israel's going to go into God's going to bring them into the wilderness to protect them again, as he did with the, uh, the, the exodus. And so Abel was the offspring of the woman. Cain, the offspring of the serpent, killed his brother Abel, who's of the chosen, believing, righteous offspring that God, God preserves uh, and will ultimately restore and consummate his creation blessing and promises through this, through this line uh, that, will, that will one day prevail over the serpent, the woman and her 
chosen, believing, righteous uh, progeny that, uh, that follow and, and ultimately are the one who is the head of a, a new uh, humanity. Uh, and Seth, in place, God has given me a new, another offspring in place of Abel for Cain killed him. Seth is the offspring of the woman. God preserves and will ultimately restore and consummate his creation blessing, his presence, his provision over all the earth uh, to, to the nation that's to come, the Israelites who are in this, uh, well, especially the remnant, in this chosen, believing, righteous line and in, in believers throughout, uh, throughout all generations. He's going to ultimately bring blessing to Israel and to all the nations and all of the, of the earth uh, with the, the coming of the ultimate uh, anointed one. And Paul even says in, uh, toward the end of Romans, in a little while, God will crush the serpent under your feet. Because it was believers, they're the offspring of the woman. They're of this chosen, believing, righteous uh, line uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the anointed one. And so, fill up then, uh, you who are your fathers who murdered the prophets, fill, fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. You're the offspring of the evil one. You're the offspring of the devil, the slanderer the accuser. You're a murderer and a liar just like he is. That's where that, that language comes from, uh, all, the way, all the way back. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. So he's going to send them prophets and wise men and scribes. Believers who are going to be persecuted. The apostles, the prophets in the New Testament church, believers. You see in the book of Acts, they, they persecute. Uh, they persecute them. Some of them they kill. Some of them they imprison. Uh, they stone. They slander. They hate. And so, showing that they're of their, their fathers, fill up then the measure of your fathers. A day is going to come when Christ, the God-man, Yahweh, the Father, the Father he is uh, Christ, he's Yahweh in the flesh. He's going to bring judgment. His patience is going to end with this evil and wicked generation. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. So he sends them. I, therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. He's the ultimate one that they kill. He's the ultimate uh, prophet and wise man and scribe who goes to them. And then those he, he sends after which shows they're of their fathers. They're an, they're an offspring and brood of vipers. These aren't the sons of Abraham. These aren't heirs to the promise. This is an unbelieving, unrighteous, wicked line. And these ideas go, go all the way back. Eric and Bog have spoken to it, to the Torah, in like Deuteronomy 32 and such, this evil generation. And so he sends them, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. What's the purpose for, for doing all this? 
so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. So that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. So, as he sends them, and they murder these righteous, believing people, believers in in Christ, the anointed, and in God, and they persecute them and kill them and imprison them, they're filling up the measure, the sin, the guilt, the condemnation, and ultimate judgment of their fathers. And the time is going to end, uh, and by walking in their ways, by participating in their sins, they will also share in their guilt, their condemnation, and their judgment. Uh, because they, they become partakers. They become sharers in this. So that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. All the way back at the beginning of Genesis, he's the first one to have his blood shed. He's the first righteous one. He was the offspring of the woman, of this chosen believing a righteous line through, uh, through which God preserved and would restore his blessing uh, in, in promises and presence and provision to, to all of creation. But Cain murdered him. He wanted his rule, just like the serpent. He, he hated God. He, he was a rebel. And, and so, from the blood of righteous Abel, all the way at the beginning, uh, to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah. And how they organized the, the Tanakh, uh, Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, you read about him being killed. Uh, he, he spoke out and prof, prophesied. I believe he was the, as I recall, uh, the uh, son of uh, the high priest, of a priestly, priestly line. Uh, I want to look again. but And so in Chronicles, it's kind of the end of the history. Uh, many think with the Tanakh, uh, there's some evidence that how they arranged the Torah, the Nevaim, and the Ketavim, the law, the prophets, the writings, these three uh, big, uh, big sections, uh, the Torah, law, five books of Moses, uh, the prophets, and it had uh, sort of the major prophets, the minor prophets, and uh, most of the historical books, uh, except they uh, took Ruth out and uh, took out uh, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, and put those in the, the writings on Chronicles, uh, Chronicles 2. Um, but most of the historical books, major prophets, uh, the longer ones, uh, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the 12 uh, minor, minor prophets, and Daniel went to the end too. And, that's the, and then the writings, uh, like Psalms, Proverbs, uh, poetry, uh, Ruth, Esther, uh, th- those are all in the, the writings. And it, there, there's some evidence that uh, they generally thought of, of chronicles and how they arranged the, uh, the, the canon as kind of concluding uh, the, the writings and concluding the, the Bible. And you have to be a little careful because, well, uh, they originally they had scrolls, and so uh, they didn't have just a simple book with uh, 66 books or ho- however you want to count it. Uh, they uh, sometimes count... They had different ways of counting where they group uh, went break up Samuel into first and second Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. 
uh, 24 books, uh, how, different ways they count things. They had scrolls. So you'd have to have like Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They might, they might all have their own, own scroll. But Genesis kind of naturally comes at the beginning, doesn't it? And Exodus kind of follows. You know, first the world has to be created. They have to be imprisoned in Egypt. So the Exodus can happen. And they can get to Mount Sinai. And then have Leviticus and the giving of the law. And, and Numbers, uh, 40 years in the wilderness. And Deuteronomy, Moses' sermon at the, the end of time. And you kind of have that with the historical books. And then with, with Chronicles. It, it's kind of the end of all this history. And so from beginning, from A to Z, from beginning to end, all the righteous blood. From Abel to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Did they murder him? I mean, with their hands? Did they strike him down? They lived in the first century. This took place hundreds of years before, before this time. I, I, I think it was even uh, the, uh, the 6th or the 7th century BC. Uh, six, 600s or, or uh, so. This is hundreds of years before. Whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Uh, before the, the, the temple, the, the altar and the, uh, the, the temple. And so he's saying, all this guilt is going to come upon you because you're going to, when I send these, uh, these righteous, believing prophets, wise men, scribes, and you murder them, you are going to participate and share in the sin. But not only the sin, but the guilt, the condemnation, and the judgment of your father. Uh, none of us lives on an island. Uh, we participate in the sin of others. Uh, and so we even spoke about, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago, or I guess we had a week off before then, but uh, in a recent class about, we'll just pick one sin in our culture. Uh, the sin of, of abortion. Uh, 55 million uh, have been killed uh, and going going beyond uh, their thereabouts, uh, if you fill up uh, about one thousand metrodomes packed full, envision one thousand. The Holocaust was only a hundred metrodomes of, of Jews, maybe five million. Uh, so a thousand metrodomes, and when we participate in the sin of others, whether we. Uh, you know, unless we repent and turn to God, God, God will forgive uh, any and every sin. But uh, if we participate uh, in sins or uh, others encourage people in their sins or uh, we facilitate it, we approve it, we make it possible, uh, we don't, uh, we don't, we tacitly approve of it, we share in the sin of others. We will share in their guilt we will share in their condemnation. That's a small reason why hell is forever. Uh, and you realize you're sinning against an infinitely holy and righteous God and you're part of this grand conspiracy. Just the United States alone, in recent decades, 55 million uh, babies, uh, the most innocent as far as humanly speaking, that have done no wrong against society, that's a lot of guilt. That's a lot of condemnation that you can't even imagine. You want to pay for, for, for that? 
you think serial killers are going to be punished for a long time. In some ways, we all tacitly approve and participate in the sins of others. And so whether, whether lying, whether gossiping, whether stealing and slandering and sexual immorality, our rebellion against God, we're participating and facilitating and approving in the sins of others. And Derek was even showing it. Romans, all these sins. In fact, Paul, at the end of his list, there are 21 separate items. He's talking about the fullness, the fullness of the guilt and the, and the, and the shame. This, these sevens, uh, like three sevens repeating this, this idea of fullness of guilt. And here, corporate solidarity, they walk in the ways of their fathers. Uh, they share in the guilt. And so they, they'll share in the, the, the judgment. Uh, that's the idea of corporate solidarity. And so you have this, these ideas of preeminence where, uh, for instance, a, a king over a nation or a high priest, they have a certain responsibility, uh, a certain authority uh, that others don't. Uh, Adam is the head of humanity. Uh, the, he was in a position that, that others weren't, uh, that led to this entrance of sin and corruption uh, in, in condemnation and death spreading to all humanity. But then humans, as Paul argues, showing that the universal sin and guilt and condemnation against man, Jew and Gentile, they've all sinned, whether the law of conscience or, or God's law written in his word and on, on tablets of stone, they've all sinned. Uh, and so when they walk in the ways of their fathers, they also, they'll share in the guilt They'll share in the condemnation. And so corporate solidarity has these, these two ends where uh, the flood generation, they filled the earth with violence. God wiped them out. Uh, it wasn't that they uh, didn't sin. They did sin. Uh, and they walked in the ways of, uh, of Adam, the, the, the first, first man through whom sin and corruption and, and guilt and condemnation uh, came. And, and you have this, you have this with the nations. You have this with the Canaanites and in the land. 400 years. Their sin is incomplete. God's patience has not, uh, has not come to its end. He's going to wait. People are going to even be redeemed from the Canaanites. But he's also not going to allow his people to suffer forever. And here you have, it shows that they, they're shares. And, uh, and by nature... Uh, we, we all, uh, we're, we're sinners and we walk in the ways of our fathers. So apart from the grace of God, uh, we, we sin because we desire to sin. We're, we're walking in our own evil uh, desires and evil and wicked, uh, wicked ways uh, in rebellion against God. And he has to intervene. And so just look at the end of this. It's the end of the chapter. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This, this evil and wicked generation uh, where they share in with their, their fathers, bringing it to its fullness. Uh, all these things will come upon this generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He's, he's addressing the religious leaders. Oh, Jerusalem, Jeru Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. And you were not willing. 
See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, people misquote this all the time. They'll quote it. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, from memory, of the city who, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. I want to gather you, but you weren't willing. And I really wanted to, but you, you just wouldn't cooperate. And, and so, you know, uh, provenient grace uh, that God gives to all. They can respond, but, you know, 99% God, but 1% man. It's the decisive factor. And you, I, I want to gather you, but you were unwilling. Does it say that? How often I would have gathered your children together. James R. White's talking about, spoken about that. He's addressing the religious leaders. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. It's not the children who were unwilling. <laughs> and so here, and this draws back to, uh, I, I remember reading this in Deuteronomy 32. And I forgot. And then Dana reminded me, I, I think I heard someone else, uh, but, but also in the, the Torah, in the Old Testament, who gathers the people as a hen under the wings? Yahweh does. Yahweh does that in salvation. Now Jesus is saying, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing? Wow, that's mind-boggling. The more we understand the Old Testament, he says things that are just, wow. Uh, either either he's, he's Yahweh, either he's, he's the eternal creator, he's God in the flesh who's entered into his own creation, or he's the most stunning blasphemer that's ever lived. You can't just say things like that. That's Yahweh who gathers his people under, uh, under his wings in salvation. See, your house is left to you desolate. So this, this house that the, they've, they've built, you know, along with the, the temple and their religious system and uh, the, the people that they've co-opted uh, against, against God, uh, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, of Yahweh. And so here we see a corporate solidarity. There are two sides to the coin, and they're not necessarily co-equal. But uh, there's, there's this, uh, with, with sin, uh, they, there's this participation, this walking in the ways of your fathers, uh, of, of Adam, of the serpent, being up, you're either offspring of the serpent or offspring of the woman. You're either offspring of Abraham and the chosen, believing, righteous line that shares in the of the blessings, and not righteous as in perfect. They're, they're sinners, but but in believers, they're believers in God, and God God redeems them, and even reckons it to them as uh, as as righteousness. Uh, and we see Rahab; she's brought into the people of God. Achan, uh, that was also at Jericho in the conquest. Uh, he and his family took from the things that were devoted to destruction for Yahweh to be burnt. Took them for themselves in rebellion against God. And he and his family with him, in solidarity with the head of their house, were stoned to death and, and killed because they, they knowingly, high-handedly rebelled against, against God. And so 
They weren't, they weren't the offspring of Abraham. They're offspring of the serpent. Uh, Achan was. And let's just, see, our time is just about up. Let's just go back to Romans 6 or 5 quickly. If I'm you have sorry. a question, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, we need to go. Oh, okay. I've got, I've got some work I got to do. Oh, the, yeah, that's. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, wrap up <clears throat> next time. All I was going to uh, say was just touch on a little more when Paul says, uh, "Where there's no law, there's no sure. transgression." So we'll address that uh, next next uh, next week, Lord, Lord willing, right, uh, weather weather permitting. <laughs> and so yeah. let's just let's close close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for uh, for your son whom you've sent, who's a head of a new humanity uh, and by faith in him uh, we're, we're, we're justified in, in him uh, bearing our sin, our guilt, our condemnation that, that we deserved along with, uh, with all the rest, uh, walking in evil, sinful ways and being children of wrath. He bore our sin uh, on the cross uh, so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And I, I thank you. I thank you for your son. I thank you uh, that uh, he entered into uh, the, the very creation that, that he made, that, that you made and brought about through, through him and so that he uh, would redeem us. And I pray that we would better understand these things, that we'd understand your word and uh, ideas of, of corporate solidarity and understand uh, the salvation uh, and blessing and righteousness that uh, we have uh, only only in your son. Uh, it's all by grace through faith uh, in, uh, in Christ, your anointed. And so uh, we thank you for all these things and we pray in the name of your son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. Yeah.